Hello and welcome to the Thorax Podcast. I'm Kate Deermady, social media editor and podcast host. Joining me today is Dr. Tobias Todson, a head and neck consultant and associate professor from Copenhagen, whose interests focus mainly on head and neck imaging, specifically the use of ultrasound, but he has also done quite a lot of work looking at coronavirus testing. Hi Tobias and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for the invitation to come. I just wanted to start by asking you um, how you came to be involved in this particular area of research. Yeah, thank you for the question. Actually, it was doing, uh, I was a surgical registrar and I was in a private practice that closed during the COVID-19, in the beginning of COVID-19. And I was just like feeling I needed to contribute with something during this pandemic and could not just sit at home. And then there was at the hospital, they published a video showing how to do an oropharyngeal swab, what was preferred in the beginning of the pandemic in Denmark. And like for uh, ENT surgeon, it was, uh, you could see that the, the way they did it was not the optimal way to do an oropharyngeal swab. So I wanted to do some better uh, educational material for my colleagues, how to do the oropharyngeal swab. And then I went into uh, studies about how to do it and found that there was a little uh, of evidence of how to perform the swabs and which swab is better than the other for the COVID-19 testing and also other viruses. Mm -hmm. So I I know that you've published quite a lot of uh, papers on this subject. Would you mind saying what you did particularly in this study? In this study, we compared throat swab with nasopharyngeal swab and saliva. And we did a head-to-head examination uh, of the different sample techniques for COVID-19 testing. And we also randomized the order of the test because we found that maybe there could be, if you have tested once with a not-so-pleasant swab, then it can affect the next swab quality. So we randomized the order to be sure that we were comparing equally the different uh, sample techniques. And the reason why it was interesting is, is that in Denmark at that time of the period, we did the throat swabs as a standard for COVID-19 testing. But in the literature, the, it was described that the nasopharyngeal swab was better than the oropharyngeal or throat swab. So this study was actually based on comparing the nasopharyngeal and throat swab head to head. And then we also found it interesting with this saliva. There was a lot of studies, ongoing studies at that time, uh, showing that saliva was a good way to test for COVID-19. So we added that as well to compare and also compare the cost effectiveness of the different swabs and also the discomfort of the swabbing techniques. And you mentioned that there wasn't really a consensus about what was the best approach or, or rather that some countries are doing it some way, some are doing it the other way. Um, is that true for testing of other respiratory viruses as well? Yeah, at that time, I, I looked at the COVID-19, uh, and, and it's true that there was a big difference between countries, how you performed the COVID-19 uh, specimen collection. And in the United States, it was mostly nasopharyngeal swabs recommended, and in Denmark and also in, in Great Britain, you did oropharyngeal swabs. In Great Britain, you also combined it with the nasal swab. And in China, you did oropharyngeal swabs. But in general, it was 
in the literature, you describe the nasal pharyngeal swab as the the best sample technique for COVID-19 testing and also other viral infections like influenza. Then nasal pharyngeal swab, maybe combined with the oropharyngeal swab, was the best approach. But I was just considering why was this, this difference between countries, what you recommend, especially when we did so many tests and used so many uh, money on testing at that time. And, and so what did you then find when you, when you did this study? Actually, w- when we started the study, I w- wanted to, to show uh, that the nasopharyngeal swab was better than the throat swab. <laughs> there was a, a systematic review in Lancet Infectious Disease by Sang uh, from uh, Hong Kong. Uh, and they, they didn't recommend throat swab because they had like very low sensitivity in their uh, systematic review. And I wanted to examine if our testing technique with throat swab was inferior to the nasopharyngeal swab recommended by many other papers. So that was actually the idea with doing this study. And then we were very surprised that we actually found the opposite, that the throat swab had a higher sensitivity than the nasopharyngeal swab. And that was contradictive to other papers and what they found. And we were also eager to publish it and had uh, also some discussions with different uh, papers about the, the results. Uh, so it, it was a little bit controversial, the, these findings. And do you have any idea about why your results were different from previous studies? Yeah, I, I think like the reason why I found this particular research question interesting was that we did so many uh, COVID-19 tests at that time and we did it for screening and people were forced to get tests every week. And the authorities have chosen some test method that we performed as healthcare uh, professionals in the, the system. But when you looked at the literature, comparing the two most used sample techniques, nasopharyngeal swabs and throat swabs, there was only some few retrospective studies and they were not so big. And there was the description of how they did the, especially the throat uh, swab, was very limited. So I think one of the reasons why we find like other results than uh, previous studies is that they may not have performed a well-performed throat swab. In this study, we did a lot of uh, training of all the uh, healthcare professionals who performed the swabs, so they performed it with the same technique, and we wanted to be sure they got all the way to the back wall of the oropharyngeal cavity and also sampled from the tonsils. When I read some of the other studies, you get the impression that you normally do nasopharyngeal swab, and then you just want to compare uh, with throat swabs, and then you just instruct your healthcare professionals, okay, here's another swab, please make a throat swab, but you don't teach them how to do it in the right way. So you may only do a swab of the tongue or of the cheek uh, inside the mouth, and you will not reach the oropharyngeal cavity to collect the specimen. So I think that is one of the reasons. Another reason is that if you look at a subgroup analyst of uh, our uh, uh, participants uh, who were positive, then we find a higher sensitivity of the throat swab compared to nasal pharyngeal swab, especially for the asymptomatic participants. 
meaning that in the beginning of the infection, pre-symptomatic or the citizens who have the infection but don't have any symptoms, there the throat swab has a much higher sensitivity than the nasopharyngeal swab. And compared to the participants with symptoms, there was actually no difference between the nasopharyngeal swab and the throat swab. So an explanation on this could be that the infection has an affinity for the oropharyngeal uh, mucosa in the beginning of, of, of the infection, and then it will develop to the nasopharyngeal or the virus will replicate in the nasopharyngeal and nasal mucosa more than in the uh, oropharyngeal mucosa during the infection. Because if you look at the viral load, we actually found that the viral load was significantly higher in the nasopharyngeal swab compared to the throat swab. And there was also a study uh, from uh, Imperial College of London published last year where they had some volunteers where they put uh, coronavirus, uh, injected it through the nose, and then they tested them every day afterwards with a throat swab and a nasal swab. And they actually found that they had a higher sensitivity. They found the virus, that the virus was detected before in the throat swabs than the nasal swabs. But in the later infection period, there was a more virus in the nasal swab than the throat swab. So it, it, it flipped. So I think that's another reason that we found these results were that we had a lot of people coming to the test centers for screening reasons and then participated in our studies. So we had a lot of uh, asymptomatic participants with the infection that is different from the other studies were comparing nasopharyngeal swab with throat swab where most of the participants are in the late infection uh, states where they have a lot of viral load and you have a lot of viral load in, in the nasal and nasopharyngeal cavity compared to the throat swabs. And that's why you've maybe one of the reasons you find that this difference. And do you think from your study, we have enough evidence to say that we should be using oropharyngeal swabs in asymptomatic patients and nasopharyngeal swabs in symptomatic patients? I know earlier you were talking about how during COVID, when it was at its worst, we didn't have a standardised approach to testing like globally. Do you think we now have enough evidence that there would be a different and standardised approach in future pandemics or epidemics? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I, I must say that in this study, we, we included uh, 23,000 participants. And I hope it will never be possible to do a study like this again, because it was only possible because this frequent testing of uh, all the citizens in the country due to the COVID-19 pandemic and due to that in Denmark at the time, it was required that you had a, a weekly test just for screening. Um, so that that is the reason why we could do a study where we include so many participants, randomize them and, and, and perform a a clinical uh, study uh, in that way. And I, I do not agree with your conclusion that you should use oropharyngeal swabs for the asymptomatic patient and then nasopharyngeal swabs for the symptomatic patient. Because one other finding of this study and also others is that the combination of swabs, sometimes you'll find it in the nasal cavity and sometimes you'll find it in the throat. 
And the combination of both will give you the highest sensitivity. So uh, I think you should uh, consider instead, why are you testing? Is it for screening? Then you really need to do a test that is has a very low discomfort for the uh, participants. And then you may go uh, a little bit down on the sensitivity, depending on what what is the the consequence of a positive test? If you're going to the hospital and then uh, spread the virus to all the patients, then it may be a high stake and you need to be very sure you don't have uh, the infection. Then you need to also for screening do both throat and nasal pharyngeal swabs or throat combined with nasal swabs. Sorry, can I just yeah. check? When you say combined, yeah. um, would that be using the same swab to do both? Yeah, actually, in uh, I will use the same swab for both. Uh, so first, I think that most people will find it the, the, the most pleasant way is to have a throat swab and then a nasal swab. Or you could have two swabs, and if it's for molecular testing, then you could put it in the same virus transport media. Uh, so mm-hmm. I would use two swabs, actually, but you could also use the same. But I would not like do two different uh, molecular tests. That would be an overkill. And actually, we did that in the study we because we needed to sh- show the difference between the swabs. So we cannot, re- I, I cannot generalize these findings to an approach where you use a swab for both um, sample areas. But there's a, still an indication that you find a virus uh, one place uh, compared to uh, another, um, but, but not one-to-one. But, but there's a tendency towards that more, if you do more swabs or if you collect more specimens, then you will have a higher sensitivity, especially yeah for the beginning of the infection. If if you look at the and the late phase, then it actually doesn't matter so much because you will find virus if you have a high viral load. Uh, if you put it in a nasal swab, a nasal pharyngeal swab, or all for, uh, a throat swab, you will find it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on what is the consequences of having a false negative test. I think the conclusion is you, you, the specimen matters for the sensitivity. The collection method matters for the discomfort of the patients. And also the collection method matters for the costs. So if you need someone uh, to be in a, a collecting the, a swab, then it's much, much more costful than if you are doing a saliva test and you're just doing it at home and bringing it to the hospital or some kind of sending mm-hmm. it for, for uh, testing. I think you mentioned this earlier, but in the UK when we were testing, I think towards the end, definitely, we were doing our own swabs, not healthcare professionals in the testing centres. And presumably that also impacts on sensitivity. Is there data on that? Yeah, uh, and... Uh, I'm glad you're asking because we followed up with a study where we have, have been testing, um, where you did the self-test, both the uh, throat swab and not the nasal pharyngeal swab is very difficult uh, for self-testing, but the nasal swab where you just put the, the, the swab uh, in your nose, uh, as we know with the rapid antigen testing. We wanted to uh, explore if, if you, we could see the same results with rapid antigen testing. And we actually found the same results when healthcare professionals performed a throat swab. It was significantly better than the nasal swab. But if we compared with uh, self-collected uh, throat swab with self-collected nasal swab, then the 
self-collected nasal swab was better than the self-collected throat swab. Or there was no significant difference. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so it depends, like, the sensitivity decrease when you perform your own swab. But uh, a subgroup analysis also found that the nasal swab, if you just do a nasal swab at home or a nasal swab from a healthcare professional, then there's no significant difference. So that is, uh, that is easy to do, but the throat mm-hmm. swab is more difficult. But we still also found the results that if you combine a nasal swab and a throat swab, then you increase the sensitivity uh, significant. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the approach, and I, I actually think that you in Great Britain had a really good approach with doing this combined and also for self-home uh, testing nasal and throat swabs uh, was a really good idea. It has a very good sensitivity and it is a, a low-cost uh, way of testing when you're doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that was not like in the United States. It's not uh, recommended to do self-throat uh, swabs. There's no uh, rapid antigene testing that is approved by CDC for throat swabs. It's only nasal swabs. Mm. Um, so I, I think that needs to be changed. We need to also not only the molecular testing, but also the the rapid antigene testing needs to be performed in the throat. And that was also interesting uh, according to our testing practice in Denmark, it was the test centers doing only nasal swabs for rapid antigen testing, and it, it would actually have improved if they had done throat swabs instead. Um, do you have any idea about, because um, I know when you were collecting this data, it, I think Delta was the predominant variant. Do you know of any data or any research looking at the implications of different COVID variants on test sensitivities? Yeah, there was when the Omicron uh, wave came, there was a lot of discussion then about how to sample because there was on social media a lot of stories about you should do a throat swab instead of a nasal swab to improve the sensitivity. And then there was an idea that the Omicron uh, changed like the pattern on where you find the virus. But I don't think it was due to the Omicron because our study was before Omicron, and we also found that the throat has a higher sensitivity than the nasopharyngeal cavity for, for specimen collection. And also in the study we did to follow up on this uh, with the rapid antigen testing, it was during the Omicron, and we found the same results. And I think that it's it's just because we didn't we didn't pay attention to it before Omicron, and then uh, we realized that there may be a benefit of the throat swabs doing the Omicron. And and I find really interesting that it was excellent. Was also uh, I also saw videos of people recommending the throat for swabbing, and and it was not the authorities. Uh, and actually, the, the the CDC was out or warning uh, against uh, doing the throat swab because it was not a valid way of, of testing, uh, especially not for the rapid antigen testing. And uh, so uh, actually the people on the on the social media, they had a point with their uh, self-studies. Uh, and uh, I find that it was interesting to, to prove that 
it was actually right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know that you said that you hope that we're never in that situation again. Um, but do you have any thoughts or ideas about what a national like testing program would look like in future respiratory pandemics? I know that you mentioned that Denmark had um, asymptomatic testing, which is something that we did not routinely have in the UK, PCR testing for asymptomatic patients. Is that a cost-effective and useful thing to do? Um, you, you really need to, I think that there's, as I said before, there's a lot of factors you need to consider when you're doing a, a, a test program. And uh, I, I don't think we put the attention it needed during the COVID-19 pandemic, and not in Denmark, and, and I don't think in other countries as well, um, about how to collect the specimen. In Denmark, as you say, we have a very intensive uh, testing program and we have a small 5 million uh, population in Denmark and we have performed more than 120 millions of tests. Um, and you didn't have any choose. You needed a uh, throat uh, swab molecular testing as in a period of the pandemic, it was the only test that was approved. We didn't approve saliva or nasal swabs for molecular testing, not at the testing site that was mandatory to go to to get access to the society, actually. And doing this study, I had a lot of participants who wrote and called me and asked, when can I have the opportunity to provide a, a saliva test Instead of this trope, because I'm I'm getting very uncomfortable with this test. I'm I'm puking. I'm I'm. This is. I would rather stay at home than coming to your test and then get this test. And uh, and I think that we, the authorities, didn't pay enough attention to when you, as we did at that period, forced people to get screening, and. In, in this study, you could see that the, the most discomfort test in general was the nasopharyngeal, and then it was the throat swab, and the saliva, of course, didn't was discomfort. But people have different uh, preferences. So some would prefer the nasal cavity, some would prefer the, the throat. And I think that in future, you should give the opportunities to say, okay, we have a test center. If we hopefully not will have another pandemic, then uh, if you really need a high sensitivity, as I said before, then you need to do more, uh, collect more uh, specimens to improve the sensitivity. Otherwise, I will just give the people the possibility, okay, you can have a nasal swab, you can, if you prefer that, or you can have a throat swab, if you prefer that, we can do that for you. When we require you to get a test not being sick, uh, or you can do a, a saliva test if you prefer that. But for the society's point of view, I think we should also think about the cost because in this study, we did a, a cost-effectiveness uh, analysis as well. And if we had used saliva as screening in the population, we could have uh, saved one-third of, of the cost for every positive COVID-19 individual in the society. And, and in and we used, uh, I think, about 3 billion euros in a small country on, on just testing. And that's a lot of money you could you could mm -hmm. save. And also for the individuals in the society, they have 
less uh, discomfort and could do it at home and and stuff like that so i actually think it the, the way you did it in 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 great britain with the home testing uh throat and nasal was was uh, a good approach to it and more cost effective than uh, um than mm-hmm. having these test centers and um doing mandatory throat swabs for molecular testing of the whole population i still find it funny that you just have these different um like that's something that should be so standardized uh, how to test for covid-19 when you're doing the pandemic you're doing millions of tests around the world every day you collect specimen from individuals on a mandatory screening purposes but you don't think so much of how you do it you just do it someone had just chosen in denmark it was throat swabs So do you know why that they chose to use oropharyngeal swabs as standard initially when they started doing the testing programs or was it based on nothing it's just based on yeah, a hunch Yeah yeah that's yeah that's the point because in the beginning of the pandemic when when my interest started for this I also wondering why have you chosen throat swabs and uh, I asked the authorities who were responsible but they couldn't give me a clear answer I could not like you know someone needs to be responsible for and and it's not the healthcare minister because he or she doesn't know anything about sample technique and evidence there's some some uh, professionals uh, in the authorities who have done an assessment of the literature and just said we are going to do a throat swab uh, but i couldn't get the answer of who and when did we choose this and on which kind of evidence and if you look at the evidence from other viruses it's still the nasopharyngeal swab that is better than the throat swab so there could be something cultural that you prefer a throat swab in in some cultures than the nasopharyngeal swab that example in in china they they do throat swabs and we also do that in in denmark and some north european countries and in the south it's more Uh, South Europe it's more nasopharyngeal swab and in in America it's nasopharyngeal and they find it awkward to have a throat swab so there's also something cultural in, in how you do collect your specimen and i think that is like we are used to the throat swab somehow we also do it when we get the a strep a test uh, and then mm-hmm. okay we'll do the same for the covid-19 and then it was just a decision and when the decision is made then you just go with it and you don't think about was it the right decision or i think you should have done like okay we think this is the way to do it but we'll start with the first 1 million tests we'll do both and then we'll evaluate mm-hmm. uh, to choose which one we, we want to uh, prefer as as a specimen for covid-19 testing so that mm-hmm. would should have been the approach and actually when we started this study i discussed it with uh, the senior author of 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 this paper uh, who's the head of the, the laboratory uh, microbiological laboratory and research and he said yeah he couldn't give me the answer either and he also questioned why we did a throat swab and not a nasopharyngeal swab or why we didn't do it combined to get the highest sensitivity and that was why we we started to go into doing this study and we actually mm-hmm. thought that we will have the support from the authorities to support with 
financial support for for doing the study, but they they were not interesting in 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 doing the study. So we we needed to find some uh, other sources of funding, and luckily the funds were very eager to support uh, uh, COVID nineteen uh, research at that point, and the Novo Nordisk Foundation. In I think it was one or two weeks, they uh, assessed our application and our research proposal and said, "Okay, we want to support it with a half million uh, uh, euros." Yeah, and um, yeah, so I was just like when we started, uh, I, I thought it was like logic that we are implementing some kind of uh, test. We need to validate it. What is the best way to do it? And there was just no mm-hmm. like support in the authorities they were just fixed and we just need to do this test and uh, uh, it must be good enough i think at the end you talk about um how for future research you'd want to um, broaden your recruitment criteria to maybe include children is there anything specific about children that would make you expect that the results would not be reproducible in, in children yeah that's an interesting thought um and the children's anatomy is different than the adults, uh, and it may affect uh, the f- results from this. You also have like bigger tonsils and adenoids in children, and then it's the collaboration uh, to the test centers. I had children during the pandemic, and they they cried when they see the the, the test centers. Uh, <laughs> so, and that is very difficult. So, I think maybe that definitely can uh, affect the results. So you, it's not possible to generalize these results where mm-hmm. you have a healthcare professional doing this web. Um, maybe at home it would be easier like with with performing the swaps and the nasal swab would be easier than throat swabs for, for adults. On the other mm-hmm. hand, you also do prosthesis of your children and that's you also force them to do that sometimes but so yeah yeah but uh, yeah, yeah 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 you're right and it's not i cannot say if it's generalized to children mm-hmm. but i think if you get this if the swiping technique is is performed the same way i think you'll find the same results in children as well mm-hmm. the other thing is the instruction how to do the throat swab is not there's not an agreement how to do it some is recommending own taking the posterior wall of the oropharynx uh, for the swab, and others are recommending doing the oropharyngeal uh, wall, including the tonsils on the way out. And mm-hmm. we were also discussing that uh, in the in the start of the pandemic here in Denmark, and then I did an instructional video showing you also, I was just thinking it was a good idea to take the tonsils when you're doing the swabbing, mm-hmm. the more the better. But there's not agreement if the tonsils are uh, are used uh, is a good way uh, or explaining why you find the virus in the throat swab in the early states of infection compared to an asopharyngeal. And we actually did a, a study where we randomized to include the tonsils in the swabbing technique and and only uh, and not including the tonsils in the throat swabbing technique. Mm-hmm. And when you have performed, there's been performed billions of throat swabs and some have taken the tonsils and some have not. And we don't know if it's which way is the better. And so it's something simple, but for a clinician who is performing uh, the procedures uh, on the patients, they know this is something you're considering when you're doing it. 
but when your healthcare authorities just saying, okay, you do a throat wrap, and they just think, then you know how to do it. But when you dig mm -hmm. into it, you don't know how to do the swaps. And also we did the same with the nasal and nasal pharyngeal swaps. There was a big, big difference how there was the description of doing a nasal pharyngeal swap. Some said you need four centimeters into the nose and then you are there. And some said, oh, you need 12 centimeters. And there's a big difference between yeah. four and 12 centimeters. And um, we also... Uh, did a study where we explored, yeah, how far is it to the nasopharyngeal swabs and uh, also how far is it to the mid-turbinate where you want to do a sample for the nasal mm -hmm. swab and and then do the guidelines based on on, on, on evidence instead of just uh, what mm -hmm. you think. And there was a lot of, oh, I think this is uh, maybe uh, th this is the right thing to do. But as an interior surgeon, you know that four centimeters to the nasopharyngeal swab when you do the endoscopy, uh, every day and the patient that is not enough to go there uh, so so you need to have evidence-based approaches of how you do the procedures as well and i think mm -hmm. we need just more focus in general on the basic procedures how to uh, optimize uh, basic procedures for diagnostic and also interventions in research because many of the papers they just prescribe a throat swab and nasopharyngeal swab and they don't describe mm -hmm. how they performed it. And you don't know if, if, if you're doing a nasopharyngeal swab four centimeters in the nose, it's not a nasopharyngeal swab, then it's a nasal swab. Uh, and, and then you do your systematic review that nasopharyngeal swab or vice versa, the throat swab was insignificant, but it was not a throat swab, it was an, a tongue swab. It's simple research, but it, it makes a difference for the patients, how you, you treat them and how you perform the procedures. Mm -hmm. Like there was a lot of studies, saliva was very fancy. Like it was like it was something new. So there's like hundreds of studies about what is the sensitivity of uh, saliva for testing, but there was no studies about comparing throat swab with nasopharyngeal swab because that's that's not something new. We know about throat swab, nasopharyngeal swab, but actually we don't know. We didn't know the difference in sensitivity with the throat swab and nasal swab. Mm -hmm. And so all the studies were about fancy new uh, testing devices and stuff like that, that changed maybe 5% of the sensitivity, but you could actually change it 20% by collecting two specimens. That was mm -hmm. much easier uh, or cheaper. Yeah. Very good. Uh, thank you very much, Tobias, for talking to us today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for, for this interesting talk as well. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Thorax podcast. We publish regular podcasts about some of the best content of the journal. So if you don't want to miss it, please subscribe to get it directly on your device each month. Check out last month's episode linking obesity and asthma from our feed. We'd also like to hear from you. So please get in touch through our social media channels or leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you and see you next month.